as you write my number down Just as the drinks arrive Just as they play your favorite songs You're about to disappear no Yeah, I like that song That was Radiohead with Jigsaw falling into place I'm Pete Davidson and this is the Rotobomb Podcast It's Saturday, so we're talking DFS for week 11 we're using DraftKings pricing, you know, for those of you who might be new to this. Um, and yeah, I mean, my board is sort of like a jigsaw falling into place right now. So apart from the killer intro there, uh, that's the reason I chose that song. Um, and what we're going to do here is just a quick slate walk. Sl- you can tell I need rest. Uh, a quick slate walk. Um, and I'm just going to go through these games one by one, tell you guys what I think, um, share some of the information I've been able to dig up on this stuff, the stuff that I think is material at least. And um, we'll go through these things. Hopefully I'll give you guys some ideas that you can apply to your process and uh, hopefully we'll all be kicking ass, um, you know, this time tomorrow. Now, before we get much further here, I just, um, I want to apologize for my voice. You guys may be able to hear it or not, but it's not very sturdy right now. Uh, I actually sort of lost it um, after my podcast I did with Hackett uh, yesterday afternoon. So I'm going to do the best I can to get through this whole pod. Um, But if um, I drank like three glasses of tea this morning and it's doing better. So um, I just uh, apologies if my voice starts getting a little, you know, you know, not, not so fun to listen to, but, uh, by no means am I going to quit on this pod. I just want to sort of give you guys a heads up. Um, I, you know, if it starts going, I'll probably stop recording, drink some more tea and then start recording or something. We'll, we'll find a way to get through it, but, uh, apologies if it's, if any of this is tough to listen to. So first game on the slate, um, that I want to talk about, and I'm just sort of going through in order here, not in order of importance or anything like that. Uh, Dallas and Detroit, you know, this is, this game is compelling. I mean, I'm not currently rostering a lot of guys from this game. Not not currently, uh, but I'm I'm you know as I indicated before, I'm I'm fairly early on uh, in in, lo- in roster construction. So um, I may get to this game and start adding some players. Obviously, Dallas has got a big implied point total. You know, the problem with this game is obviously Stafford. It makes the game a lot tougher to you know to peg. We you know Driscoll is a much broader range of outcomes than Stafford Um, and you know that's where we get into trouble um, because the game has some directions it could go in that it wouldn't be able to go in if Stafford was under center so it's just you know it's just a broader spectrum of outcomes in general and obviously the way Detroit plays impacts the way the Cowboys play so uh, I think Zeke is probably an underrated element in this game I think a lot of people are down on Zeke uh, in in my opinion, sort of an irrational way. Um, but the problem is, <laughs> Zeke's priced up to 9K. It's like, man, if I climb up to 9K for Zeke, you know, there's it, once I get up there, I, I'm in place to put, use other options at that price level. And, you know, I, I'd rather use Mike, I'd rather find another 900 bucks and get to Michael Thomas. I'd rather find another 1.5 and get to CMC. And I don't like Zeke enough to squeeze him in along with those guys, if that makes sense. So I think Zeke's a good play. And, you know, I'm sure that some really high-end DFS guys would find a way to make it a smart play, fade the field, play Zeke instead of McCaffrey, and and, and sort of go that way. I don't really have the budget to play stuff that's that thin, even though it's probably an interesting way to go. just pointing out that I think Zeke is a good play here, and that would color the whole game. 
Um, so if it's a big Zeke game, it probably wouldn't be a big Cooper Gallup kind of game. Um, now Zeke and Dak can definitely go off together, and certainly Zeke and one of the receivers can go off together. Uh, but I do think Zeke being in play for a good game limits, you know, pass volume to some degree, and it certainly limits payoff because if the touchdowns are on the ground, that that obviously hurts the pass game uh, from a fantasy standpoint. So I think Zeke's role here could, you know, just dump a little bit of cold water on some of the the hopes for this thing to be a smash spot. Um, you know, and again, that rolls back into the Driscoll-Stafford element. Um, you know, if Driscoll shits the bed here, it's going to be a Zeke day, you know? So that's the thing. I think for, 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 the da- for the Cowboys passing game to really hit, they sort of need Driscoll to go with it. Um, and if you believe in Driscoll to that extent, where you'd be willing to play the Cowboy passing game, you know, in, in, a, in a large field GPP, well, heck, if, you, if you've got that kind of confidence that, that the Lions are going to be able to push the Cowboys, maybe you should play Driscoll all the way down to 4,600. I mean, 4,600. That's nothing, man. I mean, shit. Driscoll is the way to get some of these high-priced guys into your lineup. Now, I'm not saying it's a good idea. I'm just sort of psychologically, if, if we feel good enough about Detroit to play Dallas, maybe we should just play Detroit. Uh, and then come back with some Dallas pieces or something like that. Maybe playing Driscoll against Elliott is a way to go in a GPP. Um, assuming that Dallas will be largely in control, but that Driscoll will be able to perform in a come-from-behind kind of way. and put. I mean, you don't have to put up tons of numbers to pay off at 4,600 units. I mean, if this guy gets to 17 points... We did fine. I mean, if you're looking at it in cash or something like that. So this game's really interesting. I, I, you know, I haven't found a way that I want to get involved in it yet. But as you can see, I, you know, my mind is definitely a flutter with ideas. Um, you know, I think, you know, fading this game completely is certainly an option. Um, you know, the, the the tough thing to do for me is to figure out a way to buy into any of the Detroit pieces, other than Driscoll. <laughs> you know, so if you know if I want to stack Dak, is there a correlation piece? I don't really know if there is one. You know, for what it's worth, dropping down to Jacksonville at the Colts. <sighs> this is a game I'm just off. I got to be honest. I mean, I'm looking at Shark. He's sort of interesting at 6,200 units, but just both teams are just way too satisfied to work this game as a game. Um, you know, these teams will just eat clock, run the ball. They like to play ugly. It's a divisional game. You've got a lot of familiarity here. So, you know what, if you can find a way to profit off of Jacksonville, um, Indianapolis on DraftKings, God bless you. But for me, I'm just, I'm avoiding this game. Um, Buffalo, Miami, similar. I, I don't see how this game works. I see two teams that both play fairly ugly. Um, I, you know, Singletary at 6K in a GPP, maybe. Uh, John Brown, I think he'll do well in this game, but he's been priced up to 6,400. I just don't, I don't see Buffalo needing to throw enough for him to pay off big at that number. Uh, Beasley at 4,700 also priced up. You know, Beasley for me is a whole lot more fun when he's saving me money. So I. I just don't see this game. You know, the piece on Miami that I'm interested in would be Parker, and he's got a tough matchup. So I'm just fading this game, um, really. So that's a big chunk, 
20% of the field right here in Jacksonville, Indiana, Buffalo, Miami, where I'm just not touching it. Um, and speaking of <laughs> not touching it, hey now, um, I, I'm not really into the next game. Uh, Denver uh, at Minnesota. I think the Minnesota defense is probably the best um, point-per-dollar defense on the board for my money, and they're expensive, so that's saying something at 3,400 units. I'm definitely looking to get the Minnesota defense in my lineups. Um, it's not easy. Uh, with some of the prices we're dealing with this week, but it's something I want to do. Uh, now, in this game, obviously, Sutton at 6K, I think, is in play. Um, and I think Cook is always in play, no matter what the price, 8900 A little bit of, I think it's a little bit much for Cook in this game when you consider that both teams uh, have a tendency to shorten the football game. So this is another one where I just don't like the way it, you know, it lines up. Uh, you know, it, I'm looking at Denver and thinking it's it's very possible they won't be able to scratch out any offensive production at all. I am not buying into the short-term Brandon Allen success. I think he's not very good. I think he's a house of cards on the road. Um, you know, I the, the Chris Harris on Diggs thing sort of takes Diggs out of my um, out of my window, and you know I. I just don't see the pass volume to get excited about anything on Minnesota from that perspective. So, you know, other than Sutton and Cook, I'm pretty much out on this football game, save for the Minnesota defense. Um, dropping down to the Saints uh, and Tampa Bay. Now, obviously, I think a lot of people will be on this game. The thing I keep coming back to is I think a lot of people will look at Tampa and get excited about volume. I'm looking at the Saints on the road and thinking that their whole game plan is going to be reducing volume. So I don't, you know, I'm looking at the Tampa receivers. They're already tough to choose from. By the way, I'll take Evans if I'm taking one in this game. But to me, I'm not looking to correlate this game. I'm not looking to play it against itself. I'm looking to maybe roster Michael Thomas in this game because he's phenomenal in this spot. Um... You know, no Marshawn Lattimore makes Evans tempting. Certainly, you know, Thomas and Evans and building a lineup around that, maybe you could do it, I guess. Uh, but for me, I'm going to stay away from the Evans-Godwin tandem in this game. I think they're, they're just a little overpriced given the fact that, you know, it's a little bit of a pinball between the two of them. I'd much rather just stay on the, the easy side to predict and pay up for Michael Thomas. Quite frankly... I think there will be some times where I just don't touch this game, which I think will be counterintuitive. And, you know, if you like having a, a unique, different approach, you know, maybe that, you know, in GPPs, I think it could be a, an interesting way to go. Um, but I think this is a game where the divisional angle, the fact that the Saints are outdoors, on the road, on grass, there are some reasons to be concerned here. Um I'm not saying that the Saints aren't going to pass, but you know we've talked about this on uh, the Rotobomb pod. Jim and I have talked about it on the EEI pod. You guys have read it in my rankings many times. The Saints don't have to run to be a ball control offense because Breeze in the short passing game is like a de facto running game. So the the Saints could the Saints could be pass heavy and still shorten the game for what it's worth. Um, now, in that scenario, they do it with Thomas. So I don't think Thomas's volume would suffer in that scenario, but I think the game volume as a whole could. So, you know, just for what it's worth, that's just sort of how I see it. Uh, now, the next game up, Jets at Washington. Another game where, you know, half of me really wants to get involved in this game. 
But I think, again, you have to look at the, the nature that this game may, or excuse me, the shape this game may take. I, you know, Callahan running the Redskins is a problem for us in terms of DFS. McLaurin is no longer running a lot of go routes. They are no longer the team that they were when Gruden was running the team. They are now a smash mouth football team that, you know, they, they don't even want to play 80s football. They want to play like 40s football, okay? So, you know, McLaurin, I think, is a good play at 5,600, but he's not the play I want him to be. The, the, like, if you watch the Giant game last week, the Jet-Giant game, the Giants were attacking the Jets down the field. They were throwing the football. They were getting the ball vertical. I mean, they weren't throwing the ball 50 yards down the field, but they were throwing penetrating, intermediate, and deep routes. Washington doesn't do that, and, you know, this is one of those games where I know how I want each team to play, and if they listen to me and play that way, this thing could go freaking bonkers. The problem is, Adam Gase doesn't do what I want, uh, and Washington just wants to, like, end the season, so, you know, they've got Geis coming back, now they have two running backs they want to feed, this game, as much as these teams should be, like if you're the Jets, you look at Washington, I think you want to attack them through the air. If you're Washington, you look at the Jets, it's obvious beyond expression that you want to attack them through the air. Having said that, it would not surprise me one bit if both of these moronic teams came into this game and said, let's pound it. it just, I mean, it wouldn't shock me at all. So it just, it makes the game tough to bet on in a, in a cash sense, right? Because I don't feel like we can count on these teams from an approach point of view, right? So I want to play some pieces in this game. I think Crowder is a safe piece at 5,700 in full PPR scoring. You know, but I don't know that he's got the upside I want him to have. Like, you know, Crowder having a decent day and maybe scoring a touchdown, yeah. But, you know, if the Jets played right and attacked, attacked, attacked all day, Crowder could catch 10 balls, score twice, and put up over 100 yards. So... You know, I want some pieces of Crowder, and even though I think he's a great play, if we could assume rational coaching, we can't. Uh, I think Robbie Anderson's a, a good GPP play. The, 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 the problem in this game is that there's every possibility that both teams just want to get the game over with. They just want to get through it. Um, these are depressed organizations. Everybody's hanging their heads. Everybody is worried about getting fired, except for Bruce Allen, who's the one person in the world we all know should be fired. It, we just have to remember that these are dumb teams and dumb organizations playing each other, and we may have dumb game plans. Um, it's just upset. You can sort of hear my disappointment here, just because I really want to get into this game. I love McLaurin against the Jets. He matches up against them incredibly well, okay? Uh, and I definitely think getting some pieces of him makes sense. Um, but, just, you know, let me try to shorten this and, and give you guys the perspective that I have on this. Um, you know, I had built about 10 lineups yesterday. Um, well, I had built about 10 lineups going into Friday, excuse me. And I went back and looked at them this morning. Every single one had McLaurin in them. And sadly, once I researched this game from as many angles as I could look at it from... I came to the conclusion that I'm too heavy on the player, which bums me out because the matchup screams load up on McLaurin. I just, when you look at the way they've played since Callahan became the guy, it's not the same. They're not looking at Terry McLaurin and saying, hey, what can we do with him to max out his potential? McLaurin's just a guy that 
they're giving some volume to because he's their young receiver. But they're not, they're building around Callahan's comfort, which is the run game. So it's just important that you look at this matchup from that perspective. Because I think a lot of people will go, hey, you don't run against the Jets. That's crazy. And they'll just assume Washington's going to throw. That's what they should do. But I think it's 50-50 at best that they actually go that way, for what it's worth. Okay, that was way too much time on the damn Jets. Um, Atlanta at Carolina. This game is the one that gets my attention probably more than any others. You know, and it's... It, it, it's under 50 uh, in terms of over-under. Um, you know, and Atlanta certainly showed us a little more defensively last week than we had been, you know, become accustomed to expecting from them. Um, but there's just there's some pieces in this game that are impossible not to like. Now, I, already guys, I told you guys about DJ Moore when I did the rankings. Really like DJ Moore this week. His targets are so good. Uh, they're on the upswing, and now they're sort of holding there. Um... So DJ Moore is a guy I want in as many lineups as I can get him in this week. I also want McCaffrey in as many lineups as I can get him in this week. Uh, But having said that, I think there's five playable guys on the Carolina side of this thing. I think Allen at 5,400, if you're going to go cheap at quarterback, he's the guy I would go after. Uh, And then Olsen at 3,900. I mean, I don't love the play, but I think he's in play, and I think a lot of people are going to make that play. Um, but I just sort of feel like the, the offense is still so heavily concentrated between the two receivers and McCaffrey that that's really where I want to be. McCaffrey, Moore, and Samuel. Um, not all three in every lineup, although a Moore-Samuel block could have some merit. Um, the thing about this game is that it's easy to, as I was saying, I was having trouble correlating some of these other games. You know, but this game, there's a lot of ways you could play it. Um, Atlanta's got some wonderful, cheap pieces. You know, obviously Hill at running back at 4,800 units is probably going to be the chalk player this week, or certainly one of them. Um, you know, now, this is a different game. Maybe they'll mix in Allison or who knows. We'll have to see on that. I mean, I don't think Kenyon Barner is going to be a big factor. Um but you can run on Carolina, and, and Hill, even though a lot of people are assuming he won't get a lot of targets, he can catch the football. I wouldn't assume he's not going to catch any passes uh, or just you know catch just one pass or, or something like that. Uh, the thing about Hill, though, is that he's unproven, and Atlanta, <laughs> we know, can get away from things for no good reason. So like, I'm not going to be sitting there with Hill in all my lineups. I, I, I will probably expose myself on maybe a somewhere in the 40 to 60% range, something like that. Um, but I think the other guy, and look, Julio and Ridley are both viable options if you want to use them in GPPs. I don't think they're cash viable. Unless, for some reason, Bradbury is announced as out, but it doesn't look like that's going to happen. Uh, the guy I think is compelling here is Gage, who I've been slow to fall in love with, um, and certainly I'm not in love with him, but I think he's compelling when you when you realize Hooper's out of the, the mix here. Sanu is out of the mix. Freeman this week is out of the mix. You know, that leaves a lot of targets in the middle of the field. When you consider that Julio and Ridley get a lot of their action outside the numbers, obviously they'll hit on crossers and stuff like that, but a lot of what they do is going to be downfield and to the perimeter. Gage is going to probably be the primary guy working the middle of the field in a matchup 
you know, where the middle of the field is not a bad place to be. So I think, now listen, am I excited about Gage? No. But at 3,300, for a guy who's probably going to be targeted between five and ten times, probably in the six, seven, eight area, man, he catches half his targets, even if it's for chump change. He's going to pay off. So, you know, I think Gage has the ability, you know, in normal circumstances, I think he's just, you know, a, a light slot who will get a couple targets, catch a couple balls. In a game like this, where Atlanta is missing so many people they would normally target in his area, and playing against a team like Carolina, who I think is going to score a lot of points, I, it, you know, I'm just having trouble seeing Gage not catching, say, you know, four passes, which... You know, if, at 3,300 units, if he catches four passes, he's going to be okay. I'm sort of repeating myself here, but the point is, he could do a lot more. Like, in a game like this, you know, Gage catching seven passes for 77 yards with a, you know, a possibility to score, heck, you know, that's a way to really get your cash lineup going and open up the possibility to get these McCaffrey types and Michael Thomas types into your lineup. So um, I think, you know, Atlanta is a place I'm saving money this week, either with Gage, with Hill, or conceivably with both uh, in some lineups. Uh, and again, DJ Moore out of this game is probably my favorite play on the week. Um, and McCaffrey is a guy I plan on getting into a lot of lineups. Um, Houston at Baltimore, I'm not... Super high on the Houston side here. But having said that, I mean, look, Watson's always in play if you want to use him. God bless you. I'm not going to tell you not to do it. Um, I mean, maybe some people might like flirt with the idea of playing Hyde in this matchup, but I don't see the upside unless he's going to score touchdowns, and I don't think he will. Not on the road against this defense. Sorry, I'm losing the voice a little bit here. Um, but the reason I want to talk about the Houston side of this game is Nuke, who at 8,100 units is a little bit pricey in this matchup. But, you know, if he was off your board, you might want to at least consider him in GPPs. I, I haven't rostered him in any yet, but I'm going to consider it now that we know Fuller is out. Um, because as some people have pointed out, I think uh, John Diagle from Rona World, uh, I retweeted him uh, today, uh, Nuke's target share with Fuller out has been outstanding. Um, so I think he's, you know... He gives you some floor with the target share, which is nice. And then if he happens to make a couple big plays, uh, he could be a slate breaker for you. Uh, on the Baltimore side of this thing, uh, I'm going to pause after this game and get some tea. I'm sorry. The Baltimore side of this thing, I was reading this this morning. Uh, Baltimore in home games. Uh, this is actually something I had to look up. But 36 minutes and one second average time of possession in home games. That leads the NFL by a substantial margin. Um, so given that so much of this offense goes through the quarterback, given that they generally uh, hang on to the football at home, um, it's really tough to see him not being a good play this week. Now, the price makes it challenging, no doubt. Uh, and I don't know how much Lamar I'm going to have, but Lamar's in a good spot. Let's just put it that way. Um not a whole hell of a lot else I'm targeting on Baltimore. I don't like their receivers enough to put them in my lineup uh, on DK this week. And um, on the Houston side, you know, I just don't see anybody who's, you know, other than maybe Nuke and a GPP, I don't see anybody who's worth the money. Okay. Let's go down to the Cardinals and the 49ers. 
Now, on the Cardinals side, I'm not really looking to play Kyler this week personally. I I love the Drake play at 5,400 units. Uh, not so much because he lit these guys up before. Well, sort of about that, but I just think he's a good play. I like the Drake. Uh, but as long as David Johnson's a potential factor, I can't count on Drake getting a full workload. So I've got my eyes and ears on this one. If we hear any word that they're going to de-emphasize Johnson, uh, I may jump on the Drake bandwagon a little bit. Uh, I like K Christian Kirk again. He's in my starts article this week, 5,700 units. Um, Isabella, I think, uh, as a dart throw at 3,500 units is something you could consider. That's about it from the Cardinal side of this thing. Unless, uh, if you're really hurting uh, for a defense, you know, the Cardinals at 1,500 is basically, a, you know, it's a punt, obviously. Uh, but, you know... Uh, it's not like they couldn't get you scratch you out a couple points. So um, I don't like a lot of defenses this week. If I can't get to one I like, I think paying down to fifteen hundred uh, and opening up some salary for some really good plays uh, makes some sense. Now on the Frisco side of the ball, there's a lot of people we can consider. I think um, you know Coleman at sixty one hundred units. Um, you know, on a week where he may be running unopposed is a potentially great play. Um, obviously, there's some concerns about them limiting touches in all scenarios, uh, lack of passing down usage, which is insane in that Coleman's a really good receiver. Uh, but, you know, in this game, I think all bets are sort of off. I think he's got a lot more upside than some folks are admitting. Um but I think the floor is shakier than the circumstance might indicate as well. So I think Coleman in GPPs makes a lot of sense. Uh, probably don't have the guts to use him in cash. Uh, Debo Samuel at 4K. Uh, you know, a lot of people are making this about Manny Sanders and getting sort of inside baseball with it. Um, to the point where I think everybody's going to know. Uh, but, you know... If Sanders plays, Debo is still a pretty good play. The idea that he's a better play with Sanders on the field, I think, is a little silly. Uh, you know, obviously, if you're into ownership percentages and things like that, um, you might, you know, he'll be less owned uh, if Sanders is healthy. So there's, you know, from that angle, fine, fine, I get it. Um, but I think he's basically going to be about the same level of play whether Sanders is in there or not. Uh, because remember, uh, Kittle's not in there. Uh, the other, um, you know, uh, Pettis is on the outs with the coaching staff, and he's a little banged up. So uh, Debo Samuel, I think, is a good play at 4K. Um, you know, if you want to get into the surrounding circumstances and feel good about it, better about it because Sanders is out. I mean, the truth of the matter is Sanders in could draw coverage and make Debo an, an even better play. He may do better with Samuels on the field for all we know. It's not out of the realm. Um, but from a targeting point of view, we should be able to count on more targets uh, if he's the number one option. So that, from that angle, it makes sense. Um, so, you know, Coleman and GPPs, Debo Samuel, really anywhere you want to fit him in. Uh, keep an eye on Mostert. As long as he is active, I think he's a guy you can consider at 3,400 units. Uh, Dwelly, the tight end who should be playing in place of um, Kittle, you know, I've heard some pretty smart people say Dwelly's a good play. I don't know, man. I, I'm not seeing it. At, well, I was going to say I'm not seeing it at all, but I mean, I see it. Uh, he is an offensive-oriented tight end. He's not a blocker. He's a receiver. Uh, he did get targeted a fair amount last week. The problem I'm having with Dwelly 
is these 3,400 units. I mean, like, what the fuck? There's guys out there who are solid plays we knew they were going to be playing who were priced under this guy. So, I mean, for, from the standpoint of differentiation, you could play him. From the standpoint of seven targets, hopefully for 3,400 units, okay. Uh, but, excuse me, tap the mic, guys, sorry. Uh, but for my money, he didn't look good enough last week to play him over Goddard, who's 200 cheaper. To play him over, say, uh, I don't know, who's... I hate it when I do this. I should have had this written down. Um, but, you know, just, like, let's look at the tight ends. I mean, I know for a fact, yeah, Ben Watson, 2,900 units. I, I mean, that might be as good a play. Um, I think, you know, if you go over to the Jets, uh, Ryan Griffin, same price, 2,900 units. I don't know that he's really a much worse play, and I'm picking up 500 bucks. So, I don't know. I don't think I'm going to be playing a lot of Dwelly this week. Um, I think in seasonal, for Kittle owners, Dwelly's a nice... Uh, port in a storm, uh, but I don't know. I'm not feeling heavy exposure to him in DFS. Um, uh, and by the way, you know, Garoppolo is probably playable in this game. There are other options I like more, uh, but I do think the volume um, in this game, you know, Frisco actually gets a lot of plays off. Arizona leads to a lot of plays. Um, but for me, that's more of a reason to like Debo and Coleman and maybe Mostert. Um, because again, we, if, what we need from Moster is to like get to that ten touch level he seems to operate at when when he has a fairly good shot at playing time. So, you know, Moster I think at thirty four hundred units is really maybe that underrated cost saving option this week. The problem is we need to know he's in there. Now, if they announce Moster out, then Wilson becomes as good an option. Um, uh, for a hundred dollars less, uh, and again, Bourne I think becomes an option. Um, some people are focused on Samuel if Sanders is out, but for me, Bourne at three K uh, becomes an interesting play uh, if Manny Sanders uh, is out. Uh, moving down to Bengals and Oakland, uh, and boy, these four o'clock games. There's three of them, and I think I have more interest in these three four o'clock games than I have uh, with the one o'clock games combined. Um, or maybe it just feels that way. I don't know. Uh, but look, the Bengals, yeah, they're a dumpster fire. They haven't won a game. They're adrift. They ran when they were behind last week. There's so many reasons to just take the Bengals, curl them up into a ball, and throw them into the sea of eternal peril. But let's not forget who they're playing. Oakland is a drastic pass funnel. You can't run on them. You can pass on them. So unless since he doesn't want to play from the drop, they should be throwing the ball in this game. I think Vin Finley is an underrated quarterback. So to me, oh God, it's so filthy to say it, but I think Erickson at 3,900 units, if he's declared healthy enough to start, if Auden Tate, well, Auden Tate's going to start, 4,200 units for Auden Tate normally wouldn't excite me, but in this matchup, I think the ball's going to be flowing towards him. Um, so, you know, as cost-saving options, I sort of like these guys. Uh, and then on the Oakland side of the ball, I'm not touching anybody, to be honest, except Jacobs at 6,900 units. A lot of people are saying, oh, fade the chalk on Jacobs, or he doesn't have enough of a passing down roll, or, or, or whatever. Look, the only thing that I think could hurt Jacobs in this game would be that they get too far ahead, in, in which case I think if he hasn't paid off, he certainly has gotten to a point where he's not going to hurt you too much, if that's the case. So I don't think that's a scenario I'm scared of. And then the other way would be if the Raiders game, if the game flow gets away from the Raiders, meaning if the Bengals come in there and trounce them, and the, and the Raiders are in throw mode. 
man, I don't know. I don't. <laughs> that's 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 tough to envision the way the Bengals have been playing. So, um, I think Jacobs is a really good play. I think I'm going to have more than 50% exposure to him across all my DFS uh, stuff that I do this week. Um, I mean, there are other plays to consider on Oakland. Uh, I, I'm just not that high in any of them. Carr doesn't have the kind of upside I like in my starter. And like, if I'm going to do, if I'm going to go the Carr way, I, I'm just going to go the Driscoll way instead. You know, um, that's my personal preference. Get, now, getting down to the next game, which is all kinds of interesting: uh, Patriots at the Eagles. And you know, when I say interesting, I mean it's pretty interesting on both sides of the ball. Um, for those, for those of you who may have read uh, my column on EEI this week, um, you know I like Edelman a lot for seasonal, but I feel like in DFS, he's priced up so high at 7600 That just seems, you know, outside of Edelman's range, you know? Like, he's, I like playing Edelman at 6K uh, in good matchups. I don't know about 7600 not on a week like this, where I'm really reserving these high-priced players for the ones that are just elite plays. Um, I think Edelman's an elite NFL play. I don't think he's an elite fantasy play in a DFS perspective, meaning, you know, can he hit for 40 points? I, I, it's like almost impossible. So, um, you know, Edelman, it, it, I'm just not feeling it for DFS. I think he'll do well, uh, but I, I think it's going to be tough this week to get him to help you win at that cost. I'd much rather go down to Sanu where I don't think, quite honestly, the DraftKings point expectation I don't think is drastically different with Sanu. And, I mean, I'm picking up $2,500, right? 5100 to seventy six. That's a long jump when the expected... I mean, I, I think Sanu, Sanu has better multiple touchdown potential than Edelman does. Um, so I think Sanu is too low, Edelman's too high, and it just makes it an easy choice for me. Uh, now, going to Dorset is another idea, right? Uh, I definitely think going to Philip Dorsett, you know, is an option here. Um, 4,200 units, and, you know, if Dorsett hits, he'll hit big. This is a guy who could score multiple long touchdowns in this game. So uh, I think Dorsett's thin. I wouldn't use him in cash. But I think, you know, for me, going into a couple small field GPP, single entry things, using a Brady stack with Sanu and White, I like that. And then maybe in bigger field events, avoid the other stuff and just stack Brady with Dorsett and go for uh, the thinner play where if it hits, uh, you're really in great shape. Uh, But there's a lot of ways to play the Patriots here. Uh, I just don't think Edelman's a value. I think, um, I I might have mentioned this before, but I think Ben Watson at 2,900 units. Uh, is a conceivable uh, guy to get in there, especially if you're sort of stacking this game because the Watson move is a pretty good stacking element within the context of this game and is an, a guy who opens up salary elsewhere. So, you know, like, uh, you know, for example, um, you know, you go uh, Brady, Sanu, Watson, you got some money left over after that. Uh, and then you throw in some of the other cheaper guys that I was talking about, and you can get some of these, you know, elite guys, and not just one, into your lineup. Uh, so it's really, and that leads me to a point to make. I think this is a week where there's a real stark contrast to the way you might go about building. Um, so I would, you know, 
I would do multiple builds this week and put them up against each other. Look at them, you know, count up the expected points you're seeing. Um, you know, build a build your best McCaffrey lineup, build your best non-McCaffrey lineup. Look at look at them side by side. Um, you know, do, you know McCaffrey with Michael Thomas, McCaffrey without Michael Thomas. Um, can you jam in uh, Jacobs with McCaffrey? Try all these different things and see what looks best to you. Um, now, moving over to the other side of this one, uh, Philadelphia. There's not a lot of pieces over there I like. I think this is a tough matchup for them. Uh, obviously, they're a smart team. They will probably have a, a game plan. Um, but, you know, so will the Patriots. Uh, the, 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 the people I like in this game are the guys with, who are well-priced. I mean, it's not hard to figure out who that is. Uh, Goddard, given their situation with all the injuries, is probably going to be... Uh, playing even more than that 70% snap rate that we've seen from him lately. Um, in fact, you know what? Instead of saying that off the top of my head, I'm sorry, I just want to pull up the numbers on him. Um, let's just take a look at Goddard. Sorry, I'm talking. I'm thinking out loud a little bit here, but um, I just don't want to be wrong on this. Uh, yeah, okay, actually, I was right. 75, 79 the last couple weeks. Had a 59er before, but he was 71, 74, 69 before that. So that's really his comfort area. But given the fact that Alshon Jeffrey's out, given the fact that Deshaun Jackson is now gone, it seems to me that Goddard's going to be a bigger piece of the puzzle. Uh, I think he will play even more than that this week. And I think, you know, that target range that he's generally in, that three to four targets, I think this week is, you know, a little bit more like a five to six target week for him. Uh, maybe if we get lucky, even more. Uh, you know, so again, when we're looking at Goddard at that depressed cost, at, at, uh, on a week where people are priced up, Goddard seems like he's maybe priced down at 32. So uh, he's definitely a guy on my short list at tight end. And then the obvious play in this game is Miles Sanders. Uh, he's been disappointing in some ways throughout the year. Um, you know, I, I looked this up before, but I want to have the numbers at my fingertips. Uh, so uh, bear with me as I shoot through this. But um, yeah, Miles Sanders, uh, yeah, pretty much what I thought. Um, so when you look at Sanders, only once all year has he been over 50% snap rate, and that was in week seven, okay? Um, so when we look at his production, it's, it's, it's sort of easy to say, well, you know, he never, you know he's never gone over 100 yards. Uh, he's pretty much relied on a couple of big plays. I mean, that's all true. But by the same token, he's, with the exception, well, not pretty much every week he's given us something. Uh, week two is sort of ugly, and week one wasn't a whole lot. But, you know, he's, he's gaining steam. And if, <laughs> really long wind up here, I'm sorry, but it's all about Jordan Howard, right? If Jordan Howard's going to be limited, or if he's going to be out, then Sanders becomes like a way under cost player. Uh, I think he's a good price given this matchup where he's at, even if Howard plays. Like, I'm playing him, but Sanders becomes like a lights-out play if Jordan Howard's going to be out. I don't think a Ajayi's going to come in here and do much of anything. Maybe handle some carries, but not much of anything. Um, and, you know, what you want to do against the Patriots is try to find the softer areas of their defense. If you can put great athletes up against their linebackers, you might be able to get something done. Um... Obviously, the Eagles aren't going to get anything done on the outside in this game. So I think Ertz, Goddard, Sanders, that's probably where a lot of the production is going to come from. Um, so I, th I think Miles Sanders is an excellent play at 41. Uh, so that's really the way I see this game. Um, 
you know, I mean, uh, I, I can hear somebody who's listening to this podcast going, what about Ertz? What about Ertz? Um, you know, Ertz at 5K, I think he's in play. I'm just, I'm concerned that the Patriots are going to say, you know what? They don't really have an alpha weapon, right? So what the Patriots like to take something away. What they like to do is make teams left-handed. And I think the best way to make Wentz left-handed is to take Ertz away from him. So I'm concerned that the Patriots may just choose to take our guy off the table. And boy, that's going to suck. And it's it's not an easy week to get a 5K tight end into your um, lineup. So that's my problem with Ertz. I think the matchup... Flat could work for him just fine, but if the Patriots decide they don't want Ertz to be the thing that um, you know allows Philly to matriculate, if you will, and you know I think it's a fifty-fifty shot, and I just don't want to get involved in that. Um, so that's the slate. That's the main slate. And wow, we're uh, <laughs> I looked at the time in a bit. We're up over forty minutes. Uh, we do have a little bit of time, uh, so I'm just going to go back through this and and just sum up. Like my top 20 plays, the core plays that I'm really on, uh, and then we'll get you guys out of here. So let's start with the uh, with the quarterbacks, and really, I mean, I'm still sort of undefined. I mean, I've got a big group, Lamar, Dak, Breeze, and, and again, Breeze is a GPP play. I'm not, there's no way Breeze is my cash quarterback this week. I'm just too concerned that they might try to win this game a different way. Um Winston, I think, is GPP. I don't think I'm using him in cash. Tom Brady, GPP, some cash consideration. Uh, Kyle Allen at 5,300 units uh, is sort of my floor play, but I'm also considering Ryan Finley because of the matchup and the low cost. And again, Jeff Driscoll at 46, that is so low. I'm just, I'm keeping him under consideration. But really, for the most part, I I want to get to Lamar. If I can't get to Lamar, I'll probably toggle down to, you know, Dak or Brady uh, or just go cost savings. Uh, And and look, I'm still, it's possible that a quarterback I didn't mention comes in from outside because I'm definitely still, they've made the pricing tough at quarterback this week. Um, But right now, those are the guys I'm really considering. Um, Moving over to the receiver. I mean, I've got a big group of about 30 guys who I'm willing to look at, but primarily, primarily, and again, this is all cost-sensitive stuff, um, Michael Thomas is at the top along with DJ Moore, and then Sanu, Kirk, Debo Samuel are all values that I find are helping me, and I like the plays, and then Russell Gage at 3,300, again, we talked about him extensively, I just, it has nothing to do with love and Russell Gage, it has everything to do with just pulling the situation apart and it's, it's just hard to see him not getting the targets, and at that cheap price, uh, he becomes a guy who helps you do a lot of different things with your lineup and maybe doesn't even hurt you in the process. Um, at tight ends, I may have failed to mention Mark Andrews uh, before. I think he might be one of the best plays at tight end on the slate on a per-dollar basis. The problem is getting up to him and still doing the other things I want to do with my lineup. So I don't know how much Andrews I've, I, I have, uh, but in lineups where I'm using Jackson, uh, if I'm going to stack, it'll be with Mark Andrews. Um, Olsen's another guy who I think, you know, I don't even like him at 3,900 units, but this week, relatively speaking, he's not bad. Um, God, I doubt I'll actually have any of them, though. Uh, more into saving another 700 bucks and, and playing Goddard or just going another 300 all the way down to Griffin or maybe in some cases Ben Watson. Um, you, you know, 
you know, having said that, Jared Cook, Darren Fells, O.J. Howard, Hawkinson, Ebron, uh, these guys are in consideration depending on the situation. Uh, at running back, really, it's McCaffrey. And again, very cost-sensitive. You know, Zeke and Dalvin are just tough to get to this week. But McCaffrey, Josh Jacobs, Tevin Coleman, then Brian Hill, very much because of price. James White, because of the way I expect that game to go. Sanders, because of the same reason as White, but also because of his 4,100-unit price tag and conceivably Howard's situation. And then Mostert um, for San Francisco. Again, they have to give me some indication that he's going to be able to handle a workload, you know, that, uh, you know, I want to hear that he was practicing better later in the week, but if I hear any positive vibes about Mostert, he's going to become a, a guy who I use to jam some players into my lineup with the hope that he gets 10 touches, maybe finds a way into the end zone, makes a big play, that kind of thing. So that's that's sort of my short list. Uh, hopefully uh, that helped a little. <laughs> um, but uh, this is, you know... This is I, I sort of find this week to be a little, you know, sort of a fun week to mess around with pricing. There's a lot of ways you can go. Um, I mean, DraftKings has definitely made it challenging, but as I, I as I have said the last couple weeks, that's the way it's been most of this year. And, you know, keep in a positive frame of mind. And remember, if you're struggling to find ways to fit everything in that you want, so are other people. You know, you're, you're, nobody's out there with the magic pricing where they get to do stuff the rest of us don't. So um, we're all working with the same limitations. Um, <clears throat> so like I said before, my suggestion would be build some lineups from varying perspectives. You know, build some with the elite guys in there, see what you can put together. Then build one where maybe you let go of one of those elite guys and see what that does to your floor. Um, you know, don't just sort of you know, go at it with, well, I want to see if I can jam McCaffrey and X in, and if I can do that without hating it, I'm going to go that way. I, I don't think that's exhaustive enough, if you don't mind me saying so. I think you want to sort of put your best lineup together from various angles this week and then con contrast and compare them. You know, pick the approach that you're most comfortable with given the types of contests that you're going to enter. And that's going to do it. Um, 40, 46 minutes and change on the actual spoken word part of the podcast. Um, so that's not bad. I was hoping to be a little bit tighter, but you know, what are you going to do? These slates, there's a lot that goes on. There's a lot to talk about. Um, so good luck to all you folks. I will be back tomorrow morning uh, for those who are in the listening area. Um, but you know, for those of you who don't, have never listened to the show that I do on Sunday mornings with Jim Hackett, you can listen to it after we uh, do the show on weei.com. Uh, and I will do my best to remember to put the audio of our show uh, in my timeline on Twitter. Uh, so Jim and I are going to do some more stuff on that. If the mood strikes and if I feel like there's a really good reason to do it, like I think it would help you guys, um, I, I'll do a quick pod tomorrow morning. But um, I'm not sure that I'm really going to feel a whole lot different about things. And I'm not going to do it just to do it, just to just to bore you guys. So uh, once again, thanks for listening to the Rotobomb podcast. Uh, for those who have a free moment, a rating on whatever platform you listen uh, would really be appreciated. Uh, positive reviews, written reviews are also appreciated. And... Uh, Lock in, get that spreadsheet out, do all your due diligence, find the players you like, construct, construct those lineups that gets the most possible value in there, and let's let the chips fall. So good luck to everybody this week, and if you can't catch the Fantasy Football Hour tomorrow morning, I'll see you on the Waiver Wire Tuesday. Giddy up, everybody.
Yeah.